Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 194 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Luke chapter 13 today and our focus is on Does God send calamity and natural disasters on the worst sinners? And also, the Pharisees help Jesus? Could such a thing be possible? Well, I want to welcome new listeners from Gothenburg, Sweden, Berlin, Germany, Nueva Loja, Ecuador, Newfoundland, Canada, Western Australia, Evansville, Indiana, Houston, Texas, and all the way from Fairbanks, Alaska. Thank you all for listening. Our goal is to encourage you in daily Bible reading, daily Bible thinking, daily Bible following. Please check out our website, Bible2021.com, and please do share the show on social media with your friends and neighbors so they can join with us in daily Bible reading as well. So the Pharisees, they are the absolute worst, the massive big villains of the Bible, except, well, they weren't bad 100% of the time, right? As we talked about before, after the resurrection of Jesus, many Pharisees actually believed the good news and joined the church. Now, later on after that, some of them did of course, push for circumcision to be added to the gospel, which was bad and caused them to come into conflict with Paul. But, you know, some of them did get saved, apparently, and form part of the church. So, hey, good job there, Pharisees. And in our passage today, we actually are going to see a group of Pharisees concerned for the well-being of Jesus. They even warn him that Herod wanted to kill him. Well, we see that in Luke thirteen thirty-one. At that time, some Pharisees came and told him, Go, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. So maybe those guys weren't all bad all the time. Kind of a shocker. Well, a much deeper question is also raised in this chapter and in a very remarkable and surprising way by Jesus. He points to a couple of recent tragedies that involved significant loss of life. One was a sort of natural tragedy of sorts. I mean, It happened to a tower, so it wasn't exactly natural, but it's what the insurance companies used to call an act of God. This was the falling of the Tower of Siloam on a bunch of people, and the other was sort of a human-initiated disaster in which bloodthirsty Pilate killed an unspecified number of Galileans in a terrible way. Now, do these disasters indicate that the victims were loved by God less or that they were worse sinners or were favored by God less? Jesus asks that question, then he answers it. He says, no, they don't mean that the people who died were somehow, some way, worse sinners or more in trouble with God or whatever. But then he follows it up and says, unless you, the listener, repent, you might be faced with the same thing. So, What an interesting and almost inscrutable answer. John Piper, writing a few years ago about a terrible natural series of disasters that happened in Bangladesh in the early 1990s, addresses this question, does God allow bad things to happen to people who deserve it more? Piper writes, In 1991, storms and flooding caused a massive loss of life in Bangladesh. Hundreds of thousands died. It was like thousands of other catastrophes in history, but it caused me, more than usual, to search for the scriptures for help in dealing with it. So the Bible reveals to us that life is given freely by God. Life is not something we possess by virtue of our merit. We don't own our life in relation to our to God. It is a loan, as is implied in Luke 12, 20, 
where the soul is required back by the Lord. Life is God's and is on loan to us freely so that we might glorify God with it. It is always and totally at his disposal, never rightfully at our disposal. Life belongs to God. The Bible reveals that God is the one who takes life, just like he is the one who gives life. As God's rightful possession, God's life is God's to take when he pleases. He doesn't need to consult with anyone else because his authority as creator, sustainer, and owner of life puts it totally at his disposal. He's not doing any evil when he takes back the life he gave whenever he chooses. In some sense, the devil is the one who has the power of death, so says Hebrews 2.14. And in Job 1.12, God seems to give the life of Job's family into the hand of Satan, even though Job rightly says the Lord, not just Satan, has taken away. So there's a sense in which God's sovereignty overrules but also uses the death-dealing work of Satan in the tragedies of the world. We must come to terms with both the sovereignty of God and the truth that Satan on God's leash is involved in the miseries of pain and death. When Jesus was asked about a tragedy in which the tower in Siloam fell on 18 people and killed them, he answered, Do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish." This means that God's purpose in suddenly taking life is not necessarily to show a group's greater sinfulness. Rather, in dealing with them in a just way according to his authority and ownership of life and his right to rule the world as Lord of all things, one of his purposes to warn the rest of us that our lives are in his hands and that we should repent of sin and be ready at any time to die. The book of Revelation reveals that in the last days, God will release terrible devastation on the earth and many millions will die. For example, Revelation 9, 13-21 describes the death of one-third of the world's population by the hand of four angels. Verse 20 says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. In other words, The catastrophic loss of life was meant to bring the world to its senses so that it would reckon with the one and true living God and repent, but they didn't. Ezekiel 18.32 reveals that God does not have pleasure in the death of anyone. Jesus weeps over the Jerusalem that does not recognize the time of its visitation from God in Luke 19. The heart of God is large and complex. He is able to be grieved over the pain of his creatures while at the same time ordaining that this very pain and death take place for a higher and greater purpose that brings him more joy than if he had run the world in another way. Our response should therefore be to weep with those who weep, so says Romans 12.15, and not to deal light callously in the destruction of anyone in this age, but to extend the love of Christ and the hope of salvation as long as we can to those who live. Well, those are some deep thoughts to ponder. Let's read our chapter for today, which is Luke chapter 13, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. At that time, some people came to him and reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices, and he responded to them, Do you think that these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered these things? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. Were those eighteen that the tower in Siloam fell on and killed, do you think they were more sinful than all the other people who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as well. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree 
that was planted in his vineyard. He came looking for fruit on it and found none. He told the vineyard worker, Listen, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it even waste the soil? But he replied to him, Sir, leave it this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. Perhaps it will produce fruit next year, but if not, you can cut it down. As he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, a woman was there who had been disabled by a spirit for over 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called out to her, Woman, you are free of your disability. Then he laid his hands on her, and instantly she was restored and began to glorify God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, responded by telling the crowd, There are six days when work should be done, therefore come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord answered him and said, Hypocrites, doesn't each of you untie his ox or donkey from the feeding trough on the Sabbath and lead it to water? Satan has bound this woman, a daughter of Abraham, for eighteen years. Shouldn't she be untied from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said all these things, all his adversaries were humiliated, but the whole crowd was rejoicing over all the glorious things he was doing. He said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like and what can I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed that a man took and sowed in its garden. It grew and became a tree and the birds of the sky nested in its branches. Again, he said, what can I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like leaven that a woman took and mixed into 50 pounds of flour until all of it was leavened. He went through one town and village after another, teaching and making his way to Jerusalem. Lord, someone asked him, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able. Once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door, then you will stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up for us. And he will answer you, I don't know you or where you're from. Then you will say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourselves thrown out. They will come from east to west and north and south to share the banquet in the kingdom of God. Note this, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came and told him, Go, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Look, I'm driving out demons and performing healings today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will complete my work. Yet it is necessary that I travel today, tomorrow, and the next day, because it's not possible for a prophet to perish outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is abandoned to you. I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen. Well, friends, we'll close out with our memory verse for the month of July. It's Luke six forty-seven through 48. Jesus said, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my word, and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it because it was well built. Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.